Hi, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high-quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, my colleague Dr. Colm Harney is going to share with us some communication tips for smoother practice. Colm, effective communication, of course, is a fundamental skill set we talk about here a lot at Dental Protection in terms of relating well to our patients, reducing our risk for complaints, and how it flows into our general well-being in what can at times be a stressful occupation. Yes, Annalene, effective communication is the cornerstone of the practice of dentistry in so many ways, and this is something that has taken me a while to really appreciate. We don't often get a lot of training in this area in our dental education, as naturally there is a focus on learning the clinical skills in the limited time we have in that supervised environment. Then, upon graduation, our appointment times shrink when we get into practice, and it takes most of our cognitive bandwidth just to navigate the procedural aspects of our job successfully. One thing I noticed in dental school and really stood out for me in my first few jobs, was that the successful dentists who were enjoying practice were the ones who, I could clearly see, related well to their patients. I really made a conscious effort to work on this aspect of my dentistry, analysed what I could improve upon, and came up with a few deliberate habits that have really helped improve this aspect of how I practice dentistry even before we get to the procedural aspects of practice. I'd like to share these habits or tips with you today. Thanks, Colm. Your first tip is to get to work early. Can you explain this a little more, please? Yes. This is all about setting the scene, to start the day as well as you can in order to make all aspects of your day, including communicating and relating to our patients and staff, run smoothly. I suggest a rule of 15 to 20 minutes early. Best case scenario, the traffic is smooth or the train is on time and you're there early to set up, chat with staff, make a cup of tea and ease into your day. Worst case, there's roadworks, delays. Well, you've just bought yourself 20 minutes extra to play with rather than being guaranteed to arrive and do the walk of shame through a busy waiting room late and flustered. Read your day list when you get there. Remind yourself of who you are seeing that session from the clinical point of view. Are there any tricky procedures that you will need extra setup or mental preparation for? Refresh your mind also about the social aspects of who you are seeing. The patient you saw maybe two weeks ago who was about to have the first grandchild or who was going on an interesting holiday. Do you need to modify any appointments? Too long? Too short, or do you need to find some potential emergency space somewhere in case the phones go crazy? Is all your lab work in, and have you read all your incoming specialist reports? Doing this for me has been a game changer for how I start my day. Calm and prepared. We all know the old expression, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. A key part of this is always starting your session on time, every time. Don't linger in the staff room chatting while your first patient, who turned up early, sits stewing in the waiting room. It puts you on the back foot right at the start of your day, 
and patients don't appreciate it much either. So you've set yourself up for a smoother day, organised your day list, planned ahead for each patient. What happens when the patient walks through the door? If all of that goes to plan, you should be greeting the patient in a calm, confident manner, setting yourself up to create a great initial impression with them. The next habit I had to bring on stream for myself was the art of small talk. As dentists, we often fall into the category of task-focused introverts, and I very much include myself there. I could see little function or purpose of small talk in the clinician-patient interaction and found it difficult and even sometimes awkward when I started out initially. Yet, in trying to reverse-engineer these skills of the successful dentists I saw early in my career into my practice, this skill set always cropped up. They could build rapport and trust quickly, put their patients at ease, and create a loyal patient, all before picking up a handpiece in anger. I started to make a conscious effort to work at it, and soon realised that small talk is not superficial. It's actually the catalyst to relationship building. Small talk relates to subjects that don't invite strong opinions. Working in my first job in Northern Ireland at the end of the Troubles, I learned not to stray remotely near religion or politics. An easy starting point is some form of the H-A-Y question. How are you? That will usually lead to some exchange of pleasantries, and then I have a few standard topics to follow on from there. Being Irish, I'm very comfortable talking about the weather. However, it can be sports, hobbies, holidays, family, and, with Australia being so multicultural, it can simply be a curious and interested, where are you from originally? In my opinion, it is important to demonstrate that the other person is the centre of attention and conversation. It may take a little effort until you really see what makes their eyes light up. Most people relax into the social exchange quite readily, but I have some patients that it has taken me years to finally work out what animates them. But once you crack it, the whole interaction gets so much easier. So, some tips for this. If you are new to a particular patient, but they've been a long-standing patient of the practice, simply ask a colleague when you're preparing your day ahead. What are they like? You might also find some relevant information from their records. Avail of what you already have in common. If the patient is from overseas, like me, we already have some shared experience and perspective on living in Australia. It may be that they have kids a similar age as mine or do an interesting job as well. Learn about any particular demographic you see a lot of. If you're working in a farming community, for instance, then it pays to make an effort to understand seeding or harvest times or grain price fluctuations, whatever is relevant for them. You must be congruent, however, or you can be found out very quickly. I'm going to be very reluctant to compliment somebody on their shoes because I know zero about shoes. Likewise, don't start talking about footy scores if you've not watched the match and don't know one end of a ball from another. It also pays to note something relevant in your record, particularly if it's something that lights the patient's eyes up. As I alluded to earlier, you can gain huge kudos by remembering the holiday of a lifetime the patient was going on or 
that they've just had their first child. Put it in the notes, it really helps. Lastly, make sure you allocate time. Don't appear rushed. In the vast majority of cases, it only takes a few minutes from start to finish to do small talk, but it's important. Remember, small talk makes for big conversations. Of course, Colm, the patient is usually there for a particular reason. How do we transition the conversation in that direction? Well, yes. At some point, we need to transition from the social to the clinical aspect of the appointment. As a rule, we usually do that with some form of open question, inviting the patient's perspective. How can we help you today? What brings you here today? We are practicing patient-centered care, so need to find out what the problem is from the patient's viewpoint and how it is impacting their life. The response to that initial opener ranges on a spectrum from the monosyllabic grunter who says, well, you tell me, you're the expert, to the little old lady or gentleman who gives you the life story and a further 10 minutes about the recent visit to the vet with a sick cat. Thankfully, most people's responses lie somewhere in the middle, and with some direction, we can steer with more closed and targeted questions, requesting more specific information about the nature of their history and presenting complaint. Of course, we need to also allocate time for this process. With skill and practice, it becomes easier to record and sort the information that is relevant from the redundant. Something here we need to be very mindful of is interruptions. A very famous and much repeated study is the Beckman and Frankel study from 1984. They state that determining the patient's major reason for seeking care is of critical importance and they subsequently analyzed physician interviews with patients. They found that the average time to interruption by the physician was 18 seconds, and only 23% of patients actually completed their answers to the physician's opening question. Rhodes, McFarland and Finch found that to be even poorer, with the average interruption by the clinician taking place 12 seconds into the patient telling you why they're there that day. The question I reflected on after reading this was, how many times have I sat a patient up after an exam or a procedure and he or she then asks me about another tooth or problem? Could it be because I've not let the patient fully complete their answer to that initial question right at the start? Probably in many cases. The conclusion I've drawn from this is that, as time-consuming as it may initially appear to be, it is worthwhile asking, is there anything else troubling you when they answer their opening question? Then you can be aware of all the issues up front and can triage what is the most important to deal with at that time. There's a lot in there and it's interesting to note that this is all before you've started anything procedural, which is often what we think of as the real practice of dentistry. Thank you for sharing your experiences and definitely some simple tips we can easily assimilate into our workflow to help make our patient interactions more effective and in turn have a smoother running day. Thank you, Colm, for that relevant and helpful content and thank you for listening. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. 
you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.